Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosher's Director of Personnel. We're glad you're with us for this episode of Ask Anything, and with us today is one of our own, but this time with a twist. We have Jonah Nichols with us, who's one of Mosher Consulting's summer interns. Jonah is working within our data analytics division as a data engineering intern. He is a computer engineering student at Purdue University, entering his senior year. He is interested in machine learning and cybersecurity. His non-technical interests include reading, playing basketball, me too, practicing piano, and learning Spanish. I can help you a whole lot there, Jonah. Jonah's internship is focused on designing an interface for Mosher's Honeycomb platform. Jonah, it's great to have you with us on Ask Anything. I think uh, you are, let me think, our first ever intern uh, to join us in the podcast. So congratulations. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here. I'm excited to talk about this. And yeah, All if right, you well, ever uh, I could be my Spanish partner, that'd be great. I need some people to talk to to improve my speaking and listening. Hey, anytime. Cualquier hora del día. Now, we haven't said what we're going to be talking about today, which is machine learning. We've talked about this before on our show. And quite frankly, I think this is a topic that can be discussed weekly and we'd always find something new to talk about, right? So let's talk about this from your perspective. You're absolutely right. Uh, it can be talked about every week. It's constantly growing. It is. And it's funny because we, we spoke about this last season with some of our application services folks. And I feel like every week you see something new or some new iteration or something, a new product coming out that can help with AI or machine learning. And really, it's one of those things that I think we're not going to get tired of hearing about every day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, I think it'll be a few years before it kind of gets into the consumer life, but you're absolutely right. We're going to be hearing about this for a long time. It's just going to get more and more complex, have more applications and hopefully keep getting better. Yes. So let's start, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your machine learning experience. So do you have an interesting machine learning project you have done as an intern or maybe even outside of your internship? Yeah. So uh, in the internship, I haven't got to explore any machine learning technologies, but in my coursework, I've gotten to experiment with a lot of different types of model architectures for different purposes. You know, depending on what you want to do with it, the architecture is going to look pr uh, pretty different. But after my internship, when I have some more time, I have Arduino makes a board specifically designed for machine learning, but it's a little, it's not as robust as, you know, you would see in a, a chat GPT far from it. It's very bare bones meant to work on a small processor. I want to make a scaled down voice assistant, you know, something that can interact with my lights. You can say, maybe take a reminder for me to do this later, add something to my grocery list or whatever. I think it would be uh, really enjoyable to do that. And just cool to have a voice assistant. I've always, you know, I've seen the Iron Man movies and I thought yeah. Jarvis was just such a cool thing. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, in the movies, they show it doing all these crazy different things, interacting with all of his tech. But I think we're a little bit away from that, but it'll be cool to get even just a small voice assistant working. So I, I'm not going to lie, growing up, I am still a very huge Batman fan. And I, I don't know, I always dreamed about having my own Alfred, but in some sort of AI, instead of just having a human being that could, you know, do everything for me, I'd love to have yeah. a voice assistant that I could call Alfred. I don't know why. Yeah. And uh, we're at a really 
cool point in uh, tech development where machine learning is really being built up and pushed. And, you know, the robotic side of it too is really being built up. You know, humanoid robots are able to do some really interesting things nowadays. And it's only a matter of time before they get to consumer level, you know, you'll have a robot in your house to help you out. I don't know that I'm ready for that. I, I still <laughs> go back to the Jetsons and, uh, and their humanoid robots. And I don't know if I don't know if you even know what the Jetsons are, but hopefully you do. And my reference doesn't go to waste here. But yeah, <laughs> so tell me, what is the one machine learning task that would make your job easier? Well, I actually think I can speak to something that is making my job easier, and that's a large language model, specifically ChatGPT. For this project that I'm working on, I had no experience coming in on front-end side of things, you know, JavaScript, HTML, things like that. And ChatGPT is really good at especially very basic things. It's trained largely on the internet. So anything that you can think of that may be commonly searched up on the internet, it's going to be really, really good at that. And, you know, even these basic things that I'm doing in JavaScript that maybe I could do easily in another language. I'm saving a lot of time just typing in what I want to do and getting it in a, the language that I need to do it in. So it's it's been really helpful. And it also, it doesn't just give you the code. It really explains what's going on and you can ask it to talk about it in different ways. But I've been using that a lot and it's helped quite a bit uh, up to this point. And as far as, you know, in the future, I think it would be really cool to have some sort of machine learning model as a debugger. So you could give it the project specs and what all you want it to do. You could also give it the code and it could debug and also optimize it for you. And I definitely see that in the future, even just being integrated into whatever developer environment you're working in, just built right into there. That sounds amazing, especially the debugging part, because I know how time consuming and product efficient we want things to be, right? Yeah. And some of the error messages you get, they can be kind of confusing, not really helpful. You're better off just looking through the code yourself, but you have these models that can run in an instant and, you know, feed it thousands of lines of code to look at and it'll run it in just, you know, less than a couple seconds and you'll know what's wrong. Uh, yeah. I'm that, very excited. That definitely sounds helpful, especially for, like you mentioned, the code side of things. So tell me, what's the craziest thing you've seen machine learning being used for right now? I think the generative ability. So the general neural nets, you maybe see uh, in the news, like models that can make up uh, a face that's, you know, never existed before. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that you can tell a machine to just generate a completely new face and it looks pretty good. I mean, if you put photos side by side of real faces and something that a sophisticated model produces, it, it can be very difficult to tell which one's real, but it's actually pretty interesting. There's a lot of positives, but you know, there's also a lot of negatives. So for the positive side, these generative neural nets, you know, could generate new data for testing or predictive abilities or even just entertainment. You know, it's it's going to be years before we see the true capabilities of these. But even now, the negative side, fake images and videos are going to start coming out and it's going to be really difficult to tell, especially right. when it, you know, pertains to famous figures, uh, you know, presidents, politicians or celebrities, things like that it could be really damaging. And the truth just becomes more difficult to know for sure what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, I I'm going to. I'm going to go share something a little bit personal here. My wife was actually watching this TV show on Netflix. It's actually a uh, Spanish TV show. It's coming from Spain. And um, it's, uh, 
I, I'll spare you the details, but it's basically a show that has to do with relationships. And they take all of these couples, they put them in different houses with single people, and then they test each couple by basically presenting either real or deep fake videos of them to test their relationship. And I found that to be scary as hell. Yeah. That a TV show could actually do this. And it's there. It was it was just done late last year and it's a thing on Netflix. And I, I definitely, you know, for the Spanish speaking folks, I definitely recommend you go see it. And even if you don't speak Spanish, just put your subtitles because it is very interesting. Of course, you know, you're there for the reactions and everything. And it really tests all those couples because I don't want to spoil anything, but a large portion of the time, it was really deep fake. It was the production team putting the face of one partner over this other person that had similar physical traits while they were doing something that the other couple was not expecting. And it was, it was just so scary how well and well done it was just how it was basically you didn't know who it was until you know the end of the episode they would just show they would seat everybody in these chairs and then they would have to look at the video and kind of hit a button a, a blue or red button to say whether if it was true or not and oh my god it just looked like the person that you know the partner of that person and once they revealed that it was, whether it was real or not, it was amazing because A, the person that they used, the body was basically the same body type. They even deep fake like tattoos and things like that. That's how scary that stuff was. So very interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good example. And you can kind of extrapolate from there, uh, all the things that it could be used for. The negative aspects of it, I think, get a bit more attention, uh, right. but there are a lot of positive aspects to it too. And it's going to take a lot of thinking about the policies and the ideas, how we feel about these models as they're being built up. But we don't want to get caught too late in a few years time and not really be prepared for what these models can do. Right. I think, you know, on a federal level, I know that several of the heads of high tech were meeting with federal officials on how to put boundaries on AI and, and really what it can do. So I think those are necessary steps as well in making sure that we don't lose focus of the right things that you can do with this, the good things, as you were mentioning, because obviously the bad stuff is always going to get the more publicity. And that's, that, that is just a thing that happens for everything. But there's a lot of good good things that come out of machine learning and AI, and hopefully we can take advantage of it. So speaking of maybe something that was too good for its own good, whenever you encounter a situation where a machine learning model was too good for its own good? Uh, for this, I think I can point to something that everybody knows about and I talked about earlier, which was ChatGPT, mm -hmm. a model that is extremely good at a lot of different things. Like I said, it was trained on the internet for the most part. So, you know, anything that was common on the internet, it's really good at those things. The problem with this is when you see how good it is at everything, you put something in and you expect to get a good answer back. And whether it's right or wrong, you're going to get an answer that seems extremely convincing. It's designed, you know, to be very positive and, and encourage its answers. So it'll tell you, it'll give you an answer to what you asked for and whether it's right or not, that's up to you, but it's going to be really convincing. Right. So if you don't already have some background information on the topic, you know, you have to be very aware of what you're getting. 
so I think that that kind of is an instance where it's too good for its own good. You know, you think you realize all the powerful things you can do, but then you don't realize that it's also extremely weak in certain aspects. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. There are a lot of different ways that you could use, and we're talking about chat GPT in, in the way, you know, in its current form. And you just have to make sure that you take everything that you receive from it with a grain of salt. You know, from, from an HR standpoint, from, from my standpoint, I've wondered how many people applying to our positions now are using it to say, create their resumes, to have the, the tool write their resumes for them, maybe write their cover letters, things of that nature. And how much information is really the right information, the true information on those write-ups. So as, a, as the receiver of that communication, we aren't sure. So it's not the same way as somebody writes up their resume, they put their experience there, and then they just send it out to different companies because they want to get hired. Now you have to think about, okay, if this was generated by ChatGPT, then how much of it is really true and how much of it is really ChatGPT coming up with its own information and adding to it? Right. And that just makes people that hire it, it makes their job so much harder because, you know, bigger companies might get hundreds or thousands of applications. And I would assume you look through an application stack uh, in the past and without this, you can filter out quite a bit of them just by, a, they say you only have 20 seconds or so or one scan to impress them with your resume. But it's going to be a lot harder for hiring managers to do that one scan now if people are using those tools. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, think about it for, you know, we're talking about the good and the bad and, and how good is that write up? If you are, like you say, if you take a second and step back and really read what the product gave you, maybe you can tweak some of that wording so that it sounds like a person wrote it, which ChatGPT, I think actually does a really good job. And in, in when it, it turns out a product, it really looks and feels and sounds like somebody wrote it. And so maybe you just take a couple of minutes and step back and read what you, the product that you got, and then kind of change some wording, maybe make it sound a little bit more quote unquote human and submit that somewhere and see where it leads you. So those are the things in my world. And, and I could probably talk about many other things as well, but just kind of taking a quick look at that and how it affects our jobs in hiring folks nowadays and how different it is than heck six, seven months ago. And, you know, like you said, it's these language models are very good at appearing to be human written. If you were given a piece of text without knowing where it came from, it'd be, it's getting to be very difficult to tell the difference. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's trained on the internet, but the internet is made up of humans who put stuff on there. So uh, everything that it's learning, every, you know, the output that it's giving you is based on human text, something that a human came up with. So that's why it is so good at seeming like it's humans because, because in a way it is. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that point. It definitely does seem, I've used it a couple of times just to play around with it. And the products that you get back are sometimes really good. I mean, they're, they are, they just are. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and bash something. I've used it, not necessarily for work, but just out of pure curiosity to see what it will write. Right. And it is amazing the things that you get back. And so the only thing I've had a hard time on is trying to really design how to write what I want it to tell me to write for me. So that's the one thing I've struggled with, but I'm sure people that are way smarter than me have figured that out. I just don't have a lot of use for it right now, but it's been really interesting to see it just develop things that I've asked it, even simple things 
and just how it comes up with it within seconds. And it's a well-written, maybe one-pager document on something. So it's been very interesting. Yeah. And that's interesting you say that because I've actually uh, realized this lately that if you get away from the idea of a, a search box and how you look for things with a normal browser and you actually just treat the model like a human and you say, tell me about this, that's in my opinion, the, what it's really good at and how you get the best answer for what you're actually looking for is just by treating it like you're talking to a person and that's how you phrase your input. Hmm. Interesting. I will have to give that a try. So let me ask you this, as an intern in a tech company, what advice would you give someone hoping to learn and understand more about machine learning? I would say the biggest thing, and this doesn't just apply to machine learning, but it's just be, be really curious, you know? And if you're trying to get into this, you're most likely already are, but yeah, just be curious. You know, it doesn't matter what knowledge you're starting with. Machine learning and artificial intelligence, it's always changing. It's always improving. And it doesn't matter if you don't know anything right now. I mean, even the experts, what they know now is going to change in five years because it's just going to keep getting better and better. So just be curious and don't be afraid to explore. Another thing is just know your resources. So when you're going out to explore, uh, you need to know what, what you have available to you. And the cool thing is, as it's evolving, there are a ton of free resources like YouTube, uh, MIT, OpenCourseWare. They have years and years of their machine learning classes on there. Large language models, you can ask them about themselves. I've actually, that was one of the first things I talked to ChatGPT about was what it was trained on and how it was built. And it's pretty interesting hearing about that from the model itself. You know, the normal internet is going to have a lot of resources as well. And then if you are really serious about it, maybe, you know, going to school for it. So another thing is just don't be intimidated because looking in my class that I've had on machine learning, some of these, the math behind the models is kind of difficult to look at unless that's what you're really tuned in mathematics and looking at that kind of stuff it can be really difficult to digest all that information. And it's a kind of a combination of a bunch of different fields, you know, stats and probability, linear algebra and calculus. Uh, and you kind of have to be pretty decent at all of them. Uh, if you really want to be in like the research side of things and make advancements. Uh, but if you're just looking to understand it, you don't really need to understand everything that's going on at the very bottom level. So just, you know, take your time and don't feel like you have to be a, you know, star mathematician to really understand and use these models. Just go out and start coding with them and see what they can do. And then maybe the math will make more sense. That's actually how it worked for me is looking at the math was really difficult until I saw the models in practice and then I could kind of reverse engineer it back and see how the math was working in practice. Interesting. And how, and you are obviously heading into your senior year. I think you were part of the class of students that went through the beginning of the pandemic and are now getting ready to, to graduate here next summer. So how has all that shaped your time as a student and what you're looking forward to as you are getting ready to enter the professional world? Yeah. So COVID happened at the end of my senior year of high school. So it was, that was March, 2020 is when it really hit. So I kind of, you know, I was remote for the end of high school and then I went into college and I didn't really have a lot of expectations. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, so going in there, the remote classes wasn't uh, weird for me. It was just something new as college would have been anyway. Right. Uh, and then 
going into sophomore year, junior year, when things started to get back to normal, that was a big adjustment period, actually, uh, you know, going away from online stuff and going back into the classroom, being around people. It was, it was really interesting and it took a lot of uh, adaptation, but just the way that the kind of the world is now, it, it worked out because uh, here I am and a lot of people at Mosher work remote a lot of days. So it's similar to what I experienced in school being online. And then I kind of, I think, adapted very well to that just because of the experience that I had, you know, going through that in school. But, you know, now I'm getting the normal college experience for the most part, the masks are done away and, you know, pretty much where last year, uh, everything's back to normal and getting a pretty cool experience going into my senior year, I think. And finally, what can you tell us about your internship with Mosher? It's been a lot of fun. I've met some great people and honestly, everyone that I've met has been fantastic. So eager to help and very friendly. And I've got to, in my project, I've gotten to learn a bunch of new skills. Uh, like I said, going into the project, I had no experience with front end design. So I've built up my skills around that. And then even the server side code that I had to write uh, was in a language that I already knew, but I got to you know, build up my principle, my skills that I already had in that, learn some new ones and ultimately build something from scratch that is really cool. Looking at where I was at the beginning to where I am now, I open up my editor and look at all the code that I've written and it just seems to have flown by. seems like I've gotten so much done, but the time, you know, it's already up. It feels like it's also gone so fast. It does. This summer feels like it's flying by and we really have been lucky enough to have you amongst our summer internship class this year. I think that we've had a very highly regarded group this year and you're a part of that. So thank you once again for allowing us to be your home for the summer. And with that, we'd like to thank Jonah for joining us today to talk about machine learning and his time here at Mosher. Jonah, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening into this week's edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoy listening to our intern, Jonah Nichols, talk to us about machine learning and his experience as an intern at Mosher Consulting. Join us next time when we continue to dive deeper with our resident experts and what they're currently working on. Remember to send us your ideas or topics to your social media feeds. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, so long, everybody.